0: There's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store
1: to make the switch today. I would imagine the ratings for this here, especially when USA is not playing, are going to be minimal at best. Mm -hmm. No one is ready for the World Cup here if you're not all on board, Team USA, take us all the way. Well, And I think there are a great deal of us that are not.
2: Well, you got to be realistic. You know? It's like does um, – I'm trying to – like who's the basketball comparison to the U.S., you know? Because, like, the U.S. has, like, one star. So is it like Giannis going, you know, with Greece? does Do, do, do Grecians believe they're going to win the Olympics in basketball? No, they don't. I don't, they don't. They don't have a prayer. It's like we don't have a prayer. I mean, England put up six today. They scored six goals. Mm-hmm. Will, will the United States score two? No, probably not. If they're going to win, it's probably going to be one. Nil. I don't even know who the goal scorers are. Do they know? Who they, is it, is it, is it uh, our man Christian there? Yes. I mean, maybe. Um, but is he like is he like a prolific goal scorer, or is he just one of those like midfielders who just do a lot of great things?
1: He's going to have to do it all, John.
2: Yeah. Um, but they are about to kick off as we speak. So we'll keep you updated on... Uh, the U.S. result here against Wales. When we come back, respect burgers and then Jason Fitz. Stick around. Jason and John, how do you turn the FM? Yes, me Black Tide moving is so you need to call if you are moving. Let them handle it. If you're thinking about relocating, whether it's home or office, cross town, cross country, they're the best in town. They're the pros. Give them a call. 316 6196 is the phone number 316 6196. They have changed moving. In the city of Memphis. When you're moving, you're not just moving things, you're moving pieces of your life. And Black Tie understands that better than anybody. They're licensed, they're bonded, they're insured, their movers are professionally trained. They show up when they say they're going to show up and they stay on budget. Give them a call 316 6196 is the phone number. Book your move now, it'll book up fast. Summer is always just around the corner, but you don't have to move just in the summer. You can move in the winter too. It happens. Moving season is always here. Black Tie wants to take the tour moving your things out of your hands and make it that much easier for you. Blacktown Moving, change and move it in the city of Memphis. Carter Day.
1: Yes, it's the third hour on Mondays, which is when I do my Respect Burgers. And let me tell you something before we get into it. I ain't serving no turkey burgers because I don't like turkey burgers. I know some of y'all, you health types, you love turkey burgers. You tell me the taste is good if I just give it a try. I've given it a try. I don't like it. These are ground beef. That's what it's going to be on Thanksgiving week time to come and get them respect burgers now it's time for the jason and john show respect burgers Sizzling respect burgers served hot and fresh from jason and john number one is going to a man's name who even though he's been a long time better in the nfl i still can't spell it john spell cordero respect Cordero, C-O-R-D-A-R-R-E-L-L-E. Now, just tell me, and you did good. You got through it. I always forget that it's two R's and two L's. When I'm I'm spelling them out or whatever else it is, it's usually I do one R, two L's, or I do two R's, one L. Either way around it, the man is a record holder. Set the all-time record for kick return touchdowns yesterday in a 103, well, and when a 27-24 win over the Bears. It was a 103-yard return for him. The Bears are winning 17-7, and old Cordero Patterson went right up the middle and turned on the speed up the seam, prompting John Martin to text me, "CP cold?" <laughs> I said, "I said CP is amazing. He is amazing. Six foot two, 220 pounds of him. You'd think he didn't wouldn't still have that kind of speed." Um, Remember, he was taken in the first round of the 2013 draft, and here he is, what, nine, ten years later, still getting it done, made uh, the Pro Bowl four times, uh, a four-time first-team All-Pro as a returner, did it again. Again, it was his ninth all-time kickoff return, setting the record. Broke the tie, not with Devin Hester, but with... Dante Hall? No. Josh... Take it to the Cribs. Josh Cribs, gotcha. Josh Cribs, believe we'll it. Leon Washington was also uh, part of the tie. They both had eight kickoff return for touchdowns. Devin was more that punt return guy, uh, even though he will be in the Hall of Fame as a returner. And that's the thing about Cordero is is the, the case they're making for him now is that, well, now that you hold a record, most kickoff returns ever for a touchdown in the NFL, does that make you, does that record make you Hall of Fame worthy? And I would say yes. I would say Cordero Patterson at this point probably deserves it Uh, in terms of special team returners. You put him up there with the greats. And if a Devin Hester deserves to be in, so does a Cordero Patterson. But a tip of the cap to him, not so much because it happened against my Bears or anything else, but because he's still setting records. Uh, Again, a 2013 first-rounder, the Minnesota Vikings, that was drafted as a receiver. Now he's running the ball. We saw it last year, uh, running the ball. And again, this year uh, for them. Had a fumble in that game. But – uh, obviously came back and, uh, and made that right. So respect, burger to Cordero with two R's, two L's, Patterson uh, for yesterday's performance in a win over the Bears. Moving on, I mentioned him earlier, Memphis' zone, Tony Pollard. Respect. You have to give this man a respect, burger for what he did yesterday and what he's done all season for the Dallas Cowboys, whether he's been the one-man backfield on his own with Ezekiel out or, as yesterday, he's back to a two-man backfield with Ezekiel Elliott back uh, in the fold again. He's he's produced in both ways, and he did it both yesterday, rushing and receiving. Led the Cowboys, I mentioned this earlier, in rushing yards, 15 for 80 yards. That's 5.3 a carry. Didn't have any touchdowns on the ground. Those came through the air. Caught six passes for 109, and once he caught it and hit that seam, he is gone with that Memphis speed Uh, Two touchdowns, like we mentioned, 109 yards on the six receptions. That was on six targets. Everything that was thrown to Tony Pollard, he collected and ran with it. Uh, Again, 80 receiving yards. I went and looked. He is, despite the fact that he is uh, part of a two-man backfield, where they gave Ezekiel Elliott yesterday just as 15 carries, he is 11th in the NFL in rushing. At 701 yards, and I went and looked, that's through 10 games. Last year in 15 games, he had 719. So he's already he's going to blow that out of the water, uh, uh, including pass it uh, last year's rush total with his next game. Again, 701 yards through 10 games. He's been nothing short of phenomenal. He's projected, according to ESPN, to finish right around 1,200 rushing yards. And, again, with that happening in a backfield that includes a Zeke, that's pretty dang special. So, Tony Pollard, and again, I don't know how much to believe in this Dallas Cowboys team because a couple of weeks ago they can get run all over, blow a lead to Green Bay, who's obviously dead in the water, not look so good, not look like a contender. Then they can go knock off the Minnesota Vikings 40-3 like they did yesterday and look absolutely like they could win an NFC championship. I don't know which one it is, but I know that Tony Pollard has been consistent through both. They have an absolute stud in him. Pay the man. You're going to have to pay the man. And then moving on. Last two weeks, I've given Brooks, who we'll have on tomorrow, by the way, Brooks Monaghan, and the Memphis women's soccer team, a respect for what they've done the last two weeks. Number one, advancing to the NCAA tournament for the fifth straight year, coming out of the the AAC tournament as a four seed, okay, but then advancing through the NCAA tournament, and obviously yesterday in the first Sweet 16 appearance ever for them, they come up a little bit short, 3-2 on penalty kicks. But back to the point because we can tip our cap to our own in this case uh um you know two in a row we need to tip our cap to that arkansas goalkeeper her name is grace barbara i went and looked it up Man. and at, at one point it looked like they were going to lose i think memphis was up 2-1 she had to get a couple critical stops and got the she finished it off with the key one there uh, diving late when they were up three 2 end up winning on penalty kicks now remember John was talking about number 1 they were on their home field. I think this was, this was in Fayetteville. They're the number 3 seed. Memphis is unseated. Got down 2-0 in that game, Amazing. battled back to tie it 2-2, then go down 3-2. Memphis ties it at 3-3 to force the overtime and then had to go into deciding this thing, your first ever Sweet 16 appearance on penalty kicks. That's tough. But you got to tip your cap off to that. In addition to Memphis, uh, Brooks, the entire season, uh, you have to tip your cap to that Arkansas goalkeeper who had everything on them, their their hopes and dreams all on her shoulders. Uh, she managed to get the key stop there at the end because Memphis had hoped to tie it up there, what, a 3-3 and force another, another round of it. Uh, again, we mentioned it for Memphis, can't say enough. First Sweet 16 season ends at 11, 5, and 6. They were awesome, but so was that Arkansas goalkeeper. Again, her name, Grace Barber, when she had to be. Arkansas moves on to take on Florida State. And then, moving, changing sports. College basketball. I already had a great deal of respect for him going in, and he's he's probably going to earn several of these as the season goes on. I suspect you're right. Uh, I bet you don't know who I'm talking about. Kelvin Sampson. Oh, I, that's, that's where I was going. Houston Woo. Cougars. You, you know me well, then.
2: Todd Osmosis.
1: Yeah, they're 5-0 now, and it's what they did on the road at Oregon. 66-56, they won, and they made it look easy. Uh, Sasser had 16. This freshman, Terrence Arsenault, uh, had a career-high 15. Jamal Shedd had 13. Uh, Walker had 10. It's just it's, – it's balanced. They were 11 of 22 on three-pointers. Remember, we've seen some Houston teams take away current Grimes grind that couldn't shoot. This one can. Uh, Kelvin Sampson was talking about, you know, uh, what a great road win it was for them and how he still really doesn't know a ton about this team. But, I mean, when you start out where they are and you've already performed the way they have. In a college basketball world, John, where many of the top teams have already taken a loss or two, uh, Houston has been absolutely outstanding at Ken Palm. They're number two behind only Texas with a defense that's ranked second in the country and an offense that's ranked eighth. They're top ten in both categories. I know it's early, uh, but right now Ken Palm has got them projected to lose just one game in the regular season. And no, folks, it's not to Memphis. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what he's got that projected as. But it's December 17th at Virginia. Uh, They've got them projected to lose. They could very well go in there and win that game. They just showed you that they're – you know, on the road, they can they they can look dominant, and were in this one. Uh, yes, March fifth, the regular season finale at Memphis, because uh, obviously the one at Houston, Ken Palms has got Houston projected to win. They've got it projected as a four-point game, sixty-eight, sixty-four.
2: That would be a uh, a miracle, honestly. Uh, I watched the second half of that game last night. Just some real quick thoughts here. Mm-hmm. I only, I, I think Houston is capable of only losing to five teams in college basketball. I came up with the list last night. Kentucky, Baylor, UCLA, um, Gonzaga, and maybe there was one more in there. I can't remember who. But the only way that you can beat them is by just dominating them inside. Because their guard play, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, they were just cooking last night. 11 of 22 from three. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and, and by the way, they can do that. It's not like it's a situation where they're – that was like a, a misnomer or an
1: anomaly. You would say that about Memphis. Yeah,
2: like, 11, yeah, like they are—they're going to go 11 of because they added this kid, this freshman whose name escapes me right now. This guard Armstead, maybe is that his name? Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Like he is—he is a I mean, Walker like a,
1: a true freshman too. He's another two guy. of them. Jarvis yeah. Walker, and but between uh, Terrence Arsenal,
2: you know, you got Shed. You have Sasser, who is just—I mean, look, I know Oregon's not great. But how many college basketball teams go into a road environment like that against a once-ranked Oregon and went by double digits? Outscored them both halves. Yeah. Like, that just does not happen in college basketball. And so the fact that, 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 you know, they were able to do that there in that case I think tells you everything you need to know about the, the ability of Houston basketball. They're going to have a very good ch- Oh, North Carolina was the fifth one. North Carolina was the fifth one. So UNC, UCLA, Gonzaga. Baylor, maybe Kentucky, and I would fade them. Probably, I would fade Kentucky, and I would probably fade, um, you know, UCLA against them. I think those are the only teams. That, I don't know if Memphis is getting one this year. Is my larger point. If they get to
1: Alabama top. at home. They're going to roll them, right? Yes, absolutely. Virginia is on the road. I mentioned that one earlier. There's a good chance when they play Memphis, the first one won't be till February 19th. These folks are going to be undefeated they going to be undefeated I, when I, they play Memphis on that first game. I, I, I tend to agree. That one's there. I tend to agree. And then the regular season finale, like we mentioned, is at Memphis uh, on March 5th. And so Houston Cougars have been as good as advertised, at least on this early season, 5-0 and through five games. Can't get much better than that. Uh, and then moving on, the, the 15 or so Memphis Starbucks workers that were uh, yesterday in jackets... And standing out on Poplar Avenue in Highland, basically uh, holding signs and phrases that said, Got mold, we do honk for union. This one wasn't as much about their own benefits or what they're not getting as it was. We've got a dirty ice machine, and Starbucks won't clean the damn thing up. So we're going to take it to the streets. What? What is the deal? (laughs) With that poplar, that that Starbucks over there that's that's had all these issues, they've always got somebody out there. And now, even having had all these issues in the past, these these employees have said, "Dudes, fix the ice machine, or we're gonna tell everybody about it." There's apparently a leak that's caused a great deal of mold. They've told Starbucks to fix it. Starbucks will not. And I cannot. I, I respect the hell out of these workers for wanting to get it cleaned up and not serve you uh, anything that comes out of a moldy ice machine. Uh, so, the, But the fact that they've had to go to the streets and uh, go on strike, essentially, uh, is ridiculous. They gave them the deadline of today to get the thing fixed, so I guess we'll get to some sort of conclusion. Remember, seven workers at the Poplar and Highland Starbucks were fired uh, when they were trying to unionize. Uh, Starbucks had to reinstate them following a U.S. Court of Appeals ruling. But it's always something here with our local Starbucks, and now it's... a. Uh, it's, it's mold in the ice, at least according to the workers, and is so much so that they're willing to go out into the cold and onto the sidewalks of Memphis yesterday uh, to tell the world that Starbucks is doing right. So I, I, I'm here to say, hey, I appreciate y'all. Here's a little hot cocoa with the, uh, with the Respect Burgers. And then finally, all the underrated Thanksgiving items. You know, we, we always talk about the turkey. Are you a turkey guy or do you prefer the ham or what are your favorites. But for me, the thing that doesn't get enough respect year after year, and especially in my household, where my wife, I will say, has gotten much better than we when we first started dating and making them, but I think mashed potatoes oh. often go oh. overlooked. Because if you have the proper mashed potatoes with the right amount of butter, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm a, a guy that likes to load mine up after that, where I'll put a little bacon bits on that thing, a little sour cream, sometimes a little cheese on top of that thing and it is absolutely magnificent. I just I don't feel like for Thanksgiving that mashed potatoes properly done get the right amount of respect. So I'm going to feed mashed potatoes and put a little put a little respect burger in the middle of it. Maybe cut that up, have them together, you know, cuz it all goes down the same John. Mashed potatoes I hope, get the love this week that they deserve. Yeah. Hopefully yours is cooking your mashed potatoes well, we've got, right. You
2: know, we, this is, we've got two this year because, you know, it's like that's what happens with when you have a baby. So you got to hit two different ones, you know. So two very different experiences. You know, Thanksgiving for me, the best part of Thanksgiving is when the eating is done and you can just focus on the football and the, and the drinking and the, you know,
1: festivities there. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not a big... I don't do the whole, you know. I know a lot of people like really look forward to Thanksgiving. Like it's like their favorite thing ever. It's just
1: a time with family.
2: Yeah, well, you get lots of time with family. You get the Christmas, not like, you not get like Easter. this though,
1: where they're sitting there and everybody's got to talk.
2: Right, right. That's that's not. That's, Usually,
1: you're moving past you're each right. other. That's kind of what I, I, I guess.
2: I, I guess that's what I don't want. Is like to have to do that. You it's know? a
1: weight on your shoulders. You've talked about it before. Yeah. Especially once like your your family starts getting into politics. Oh that's yeah. That's where you really like to check out.
2: I, if anything, I'll just, just kind of mess around, you know. I'll start, you know, talking about, you know, who who knows what. Who mm. knows what I have up you my sleeve? Get sleeves. your brother
1: all fired up. Oh yeah, every year without fail, and I'm sure that it will that will again. Are, are you a mashed potatoes man? Oh yeah. I thought you cut back since you, since you used to, you know, you like to be a little bit more cut now, not as flabby. Yeah, but well, uh, cut back on your mashed potatoes intake.
2: No, mashed potatoes are a must. You can't. There's a lot of things you can cut out of this world. I don't think that's one of them.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think There's one. not a Thanksgiving without mashed potatoes. Everybody talk about you gotta have the turkey or the meat. If you don't have mashed potatoes, you ain't having a Thanksgiving. I, you know, I, and for a long time in my home, I wasn't getting it. Yeah. I wasn't getting it consistently. I kinda I kind I kinda feel like, you know, the
2: turkey thing is just and I know we've had this this argument before, but it's like, you know, there should be other options
1: available. Ham.
2: Ham. Chicken. Chicken should be available. Why not? Why is why is it shunned? Why is it just turkey? We eat, I mean, turkey's not even that good. If it was so good, we'd eat it more than one day a year. Am I right? No. Yeah. Can I get a hallelujah?
1: No. There's a smell that comes with. Uh, it's not that With great. turkey as well. Turkey
2: looks better than it tastes. You always you look at a turkey, you're like, man, that looks amazing. And I don't, I don't,
1: I don't mean the just cooked turkey because that smells good. I'm talking about after it's been out there for a little while. There's a smell to it that has a tendency to turn me off.
2: Yeah, like. Again, I when you when the turkey is like out of the oven, it's got the skin on it, it's brined, all that. It looks so good. But then you you, you try and it, it's just not that there's not a lot to it, man. It's just it's just like white meat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really what it is at the end of the day. And we can do so much better. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can do so much better. I'm going to give a disrespect dog. Unfortunately, you're not going to like this. To the Chicago Bears. No. I have to. I have to. Not for the loss,
1: we're, the we're loss. doing what you're supposed to do is just be competitive and then lose, dude.
2: but you're not supposed to let your quarterback get hurt. And that's happened now multiple times this season. He already had the shoulder injury from earlier in the year, and now he's got another one now maybe he's okay. Maybe this is you know a, a, a dramatic yeah. uh, we you were
1: know. running him into the ground yesterday,
2: but at the same time, this is your future. You need him on the field as much as possible. And at the rate you're going, you
1: don't care about my future. You care about your fantasy team with him on it. No, I'm saying this. That's, that's literally why this is here. If you I don't if, care about the didn't Bears care about him, I would fields. say,
2: well, keep running him, man. Run him until he's got no more. But it won't last. You guys, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna, he's gonna be out of the league in two years because he's beat up, you know, and he's hurt and all those things because he just has no, uh, you know. A, there's too many design runs. I think that's the, that is absolutely right. Oh, now it's too many. Yes, there are. You know that. I mean, it's one thing if you, like, get out of the pocket and, like, take what they give you, but y'all got this dude running a Malcolm Perry triple option offense out there. Like, he stop doing that.
1: He's fifth in the league in rushing. He has more rush yards than Dallin Cook.
2: Yeah, like, come on, man. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to go.
1: More than Miles Sanders. More than Aaron Jones.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. More than Tony Pollard. So I would definitely, uh, if I were if I were you guys, I would definitely not run him so hard because it doesn't last. It never lasts. All right, we'll come back. Jason Fitz is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk to him about the NFL, about college football, the playoff, and more. Stick around. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever,
0: or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
3: Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: That's the theme music, of course, of the one, the only, Jason Fitz. Catch him on Spain and Fitz all over ESPN. College football shows, bad beats, columns. The man does it all. Fitz, it's weird. And I get get the vibe and my prediction is we're going to come down on completely opposite sides of this. But my gut is you're excited that, that the Raiders won yesterday. And I am not because I know that this season is going absolutely nowhere and we just cost ourselves a couple spots in draft position.
4: All right, but here's the thing. You're not wrong in your logic. The two things I always say to this, though, is number one, I always want to watch my favorite team win. I don't care. Number two, most teams that are bad are bad because they draft poorly. And if you're going to draft poorly anyway, I'd rather at least see some wins along the way. Like the concept that having a top draft pick is going to save you forgives Mitchell Trubisky. It forgives Zach Wilson. It forgives even Trey Lancer right now we know nothing about. It forgives that the Titans at one point thought that Mariota was the answer and the Buccaneers thought that Jameis was the answer, right? Like, there is a weird spot with the NFL where we all look at it and say, I want the highest pick I can possibly get, but most quarterbacks you draft, don't work out. So if I'm not going to get the guy, most likely anyway, that's going to save my franchise, got a much better chance of getting Zach Wilson than I do with getting Patrick Mahomes. If I'm not going to get Mahomes, then I might as well get to see some wins along the way. Is that- I'd also, frankly, I'd also rather see the Raiders have worse, a, a worse draft pick and then just simply go with the <coughs> best player available. Every bad team, should look at the draft instead of saying, oh, my God, let's roll the dice on the quarterback. You should look at it and say, who's the best player on my board that will contribute to my team right now? Because that's what San Francisco did. That's frankly what Washington has done to build teams that are actually pretty good.
2: Is that the end for Nate Hackett?
4: That's got to be. I mean, it's not just that they lost the two things that really hit me for the Broncos standpoint is that they didn't look like they knew what they were doing. And Russ late in the game, you know, scrambling, throws the ball away on a batting completion. If he just falls down and takes the sack with under two minutes to go, the Raiders have no timeouts. 35 extra seconds come off the clock, which changes everything. So to me, the gross mismanagement there by a veteran quarterback, like the Broncos are in a really tough spot too, because they spent too much money for Russ Mm -hmm. to get out of it. So, they're, they're done for a few years, I think.
1: If you did end up with a top 10 pick, Fitzy, Raiders, would you would you go QB? And and, and which one would you take if you did have a, a choice of, of pretty much all of them?
4: I think if, you, if you're if you ending up where you can get yourself C.J. or Bryce Young, most people are going to say yes to that. Now, the knock on Bryce from people I've talked to around Alabama is that he's not the greatest at picking up coverages or, or blitz uh, and protections. So sometimes he gets a little lost on that, which scares me. Also, Bryce is a little small, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, C.J. Stroud's been thrown to some of the best wide receivers in college football. I, I don't know. I mean, I watched Caleb Williams play the other night and thought, man, this kid looks like a pro quarterback. Yeah. So I, I I don't know that I I feel great. Like, if you tell me that the Raiders or any bad team is going to be back in their franchise on Will Levis out of Kentucky, then I roll my eyes. That, that's such a crapshoot to me. So yeah. of the quarterbacks, I think Caleb and then either C.J. or Bryce stand out to me so far.
2: <clears throat> um, what do you make of, of the Vikings today?
4: That's a great question because they're not a great football team. They've just won a lot of games, and that caught up to them. Uh, when you are predictable against the Cowboys, the Cowboys defense is going to beat you. And the, the Vikings were forced to be predictable early in that game. So I think a little bit of that is the Vikings were exposed, right? Uh, and taking on a, a talented Cowboys team. The Vikings showed that they're not on the same level as some of the best of the best, but we also saw the Vikings do what they did to Buffalo. So it speaks a little bit to how weird this NFL is this year that it's so up and down. I think the word that we use too much but probably is real here is do we trust the Vikings on a playoff run? I don't. I think they're a really talented, skill position team and they seem to be better coached this year, but I don't trust them to go on a run in the playoffs at all.
1: What about the Cowboys? Do you trust them?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I trust the Cowboys because frankly, I mean the Cowboys are, are all about their defense right? When their defense sits on all cylinders, they can beat anybody. They got two running backs at this point that can bulk it. What it like It's a fantasy football nightmare, but watching them run, they got fresh legs the whole game, and I, I still believe in Dak. Dak doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. He just has to be really good, and Dak can be really good. So, I mean, when the when the Cowboys played the way they played yesterday, nobody can beat them. The question is, can they bring that same level of energy and focus every week? I think the answer to that is, yeah, by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles and the Cowboys as the last two teams standing in the NFC, which will be a wild and interesting thing to watch play out.
1: Pollard almost feels like one of the most dangerous men in football, and it almost feels like he's more dangerous, Fitzy, when they've got Zeke because then he gives you that change of pace guy. He's you know he, he he he's not worn down. He 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 feels like he's becoming one of those guys that defenses say, "Look, if we don't stop this guy, it's over for us."
4: Well, and we live in a world where I know we devalue running back, but we live in a world where. What you want at wide receiver? You want two guys, you know, that, that make a matchup nightmares? I think the, the Cowboys have a little bit of that in the running back position. You're right. Like, would Pollard be the same Pollard if he had to, you know, take the load the way that Derrick Henry does for the Titans? I don't think so. Is it impossibly difficult to game plan for him and Zeke? And then I just keep watching in the fourth quarter. Either – like, if Pollard gets just a tiny,
2: That's tiny sliver
4: of room, yep. he's gone. Yep. and it, Like, he just – he feels fresh late in the games. I don't know how you stop that.
2: I'm talking to Jason Pitts. Joining us every single Monday here <clears throat> on the show. Uh, how about the, the quarterback play of Zach Wilson? I mean, is he not looking like one of the biggest busts we've seen in a long time? I mean, he's horrible.
4: Yeah, he's, he's terrible. And, y'all, I talked to him on ESPN Radio before he got drafted, and we did an interview with him. And I asked him that year that he was just exploding in college football. I said, what's different? Why has this year been your real coming-out party? And on air, in the interview, he was like, man, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of kind of happening. And I kept thinking, man, it's a COVID year where teams can't game plan for you. You've had an, a statistical anomaly while you've dominated everybody, and you can't tell me exactly why? I wouldn't draft that kid. Like, even if even if you think he's going to be good, the level of risk versus the level of reward on that feels hard. And now what do we see? Like, it looks like that one year at BYU that got him drafted was an anomaly – He's uh, eh, and if he'd have been eh as a quarterback, he would have been picked second overall. And, and now you've got a situation where he doesn't look like he's good enough to be a starter, but he's damn sure not good enough to be the second overall pick. I wouldn't build a franchise around him. The good news for the Jets is that they're a talented young team that's getting better every day. They're going to be in a position to draft a quarterback this, this uh, spring. Yeah. They can take a chance at a quarterback, and they're doing it at that point. It's a little bit like the uh, 49ers or, or Washington, like – They've got enough talent around him. Can they bring somebody in that can they can take care
1: of that? He, he's a fraud. You you sniffed him out in your interview, and then they asked him after this game, "Did you feel like you let the defense down at all?" Man said no. You know he's got the whole locker room ready to kill him. You know a little this this little cue saying no no no. I, you know I, no fault of mine that that offense was so terrible today. They're ready to absolutely kill him uh, in there. And he wore white pants in there, Fitzy. That that was another mistake, that he he wore white pants in there. Zach just doesn't he, – he's, he's, he's a young <laughs> fool, it feels like.
4: And, you know, and the funny thing about it is there have been times that uh, – like, what do I do? I mean, I sit in front of a microphone every day. But there are times we all know that you have a bad show. And when the show is bad, whatever, whatever for whatever reason, if I have a bad show, I'm the first one to walk out and be like, man, I, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. It doesn't matter who's fault it is. Yep. That's just how you're supposed to be wired. And, and for anyone rolling their eyes, like – the very simple question for anybody, Did you, do you feel like you let your defense down? Well, yeah, man, we only put three Easy. points on the board, and we all got to be better. And, you know, what we're doing here is we're getting better at things one day at a time, and today wasn't my day, but I can tell you this, I'm going to come in tomorrow, I'm going to put in the work, and Easy. we're going to get better every day. Like, that's, that's the it. simple coach-speak answer, and, you know, when, you, when you've got this moment where you come in and tell your whole team that you don't think you let them down on a game, that was lost. The way it was lost. Have some situational awareness. Like exactly. read the room is a very simple thing. And I, well, I don't care what you do for a living, read the room will make or break a lot of people in life. If you can walk into a room, figure it out, and so then understand, true. okay, how do I fit into this? How do I do? How do I be the best version of me for this room? What if you can't answer that question, you ain't going to win a locker room. And Zach showed us he's, he's not going to win.
2: Yeah, so true. Moving on to college football. I know Hinton Hooker tore his ACL late in that game. Really sad to see that. But with a loss, Tennessee's hopes were pretty much all but over. How did that happen? A team that had been so dominant, a team that had just looked incredible, except for that one week at Georgia. How do they get run out of the out of the stadium like that to South Carolina?
4: That's where, you know, the, the cheesy cliche that Michael Jr. says to me all the time in life that he learned in football is the standard is the standard. And – As much as we roll our eyes at some coaches that say things like that, that's the difference between the best programs and the teams that are learning how to become the best programs. It felt like Tennessee came out a little flat and South Carolina came out with the thunder of the gods. And they were ready for this. Like, you got to understand when you're sitting at number five and people are asking if you can make it in the college football playoff, in the SEC, you will get the best of every single team. And they flat out weren't ready for it. So uh, the, the back end of that defense has been suspect to time. It's, it's been very, very hit or miss for Tennessee. They are all in or all out on everything that they do defensively. They take a lot of risks. Those risks didn't pan out. And then everything felt clunky. To me, it looked like a team that just hadn't practiced. And, like, I'm not saying they didn't, obviously. But if you're hypo, you've got to look at your, your entire organization and say, hey, this, he said afterwards, you know, we're going to learn from this. Yeah, what what the coaching staff and the administration needs to do is take this moment away and say, what did we let happen here that we can never let happen again? Because until you figure that out, you will never be consistently what Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State are right now. The standard is the standard.
1: Uh, how about the poise of TCU getting that field goal unit out there on the road, getting that win? Just feels like Fitzy. They got that magic. since uh, you know, felt like Cincy last year had that magic. They just find a way. Pretty nice win on the road there, Baylor.
4: Yeah, kissed by the football gods. And let me say, like, every week I've said, nah, this is going to be the week that TCU fails. I am Charlie Brown running up to the football yep. keeps moving. I keep ending up flat on my butt. The one thing I thought was the most staggering, and, and TCU, by the way, not just a quarterback, also wide receiver, they've got some guys that, that will have a chance to play uh, on Sundays okay. on that team. The, the biggest, the craziest part, and I don't care how many times you practiced it, The fact that they had no timeouts and they put their entire playoff life in jeopardy to run a play that ran the football while the clock was running, knowing they could get their kicker out without a set to get the kick off at the end of the game. If anyone hasn't seen it, go back and watch the last 13 seconds. They ran the football to get a little bit better uh, spot, to get three more yards, and had no timeouts. Uh, It was beautifully executed. I just sat there stunned that the entire program was willing to put their playoff lives at risk for an extra three or four yards and a slightly better hash mark. Like, kudos to the kicker for being able to come out and not take his steps and just ram into that football. But, my God, the risk there? Oh, that entire program has the you-know-what that I do not have.
2: At this point, I mean, you know, people keep saying it, TCU's going to lose, they're going to lose, they're going to lose, and they just don't. Um, But at at this point – who do you think is the most likely four?
4: Well, Georgia's in 100% even if they lose the SEC championship game. So they're in for sure. Uh, Ohio State, I think, is going to whoop up on Michigan, um, You know, especially if Blake Corm is at 100%. Mm-hmm. So there's two. Uh, I think TCU does win. That'll give us three. And I've been saying it since they, they gave us the, the rankings two weeks ago. I think USC yes. is going to run through the Pac-12. They will have had three straight ranked wins. And the committee will do what's easy, which is put another conference champion in. So unless Ohio State, Michigan is like like Alabama, Tennessee was, that came down to the last play in the oh my god ending, I can see them trying to get two Big Ten teams in. But frankly, that that fourth spot, I think, is going to go to USC as long as they take care of business. How
2: how about if LSU wins the SEC championship?
4: If LSU wins the SEC championship game, they're in and. and uh, that's not even my opinion, y'all. Like I've asked every person that studies oh, yeah. this entire thing, and they all say, "Yep, LSU wins. They're in." And if LSU wins, Georgia is probably still in, also. Especially right. now, you know that that some of the complications with Tennessee have been taken away. So Georgia. So then you're going to get two SEC teams. Then you're going to get Ohio State, and then the question becomes, what do they do at that point? TCU or USC will both have uh, a conference championships. I honestly think at that point we might see that USC's resume is better because they will have had the three straight ranked wins. I think TCU would be left out.
2: You think an undefeated TCU team would be left out?
4: For USC? Yeah. Yeah. I think that – yeah. How do you do that? How up? do you do that?
2: I mean, I get it. I get it. You're right. Like, USC is probably the better team. But if is a conference champ and is a conference champ and they're both in the quote-unquote power five and one has a loss and one doesn't, like, yeah. I, I mean, I just a, feel like... An
4: undefeated conference champion has never missed the playoff, too. So you are right. Like, this is, this is LSU making things wildly complicated, right? Like, because, frankly, LSU with two losses, I don't care if they win the SEC. You got two losses and there are teams out there that have less, I wouldn't put LSU in, but... You know what do you do with that? Like, are you going to leave Georgia out? I, that doesn't feel good.
2: No, you can't leave them out. Now it, it, that that would be case. now again. I don't. I don't see LSU doing that. By the way, like I just don't. I don't give them much of a shot against Georgia in the SEC championship. But it, it definitely would. It would. It would shake. Uh, it would shake this stuff up. No question it about.
1: Fitz, are you looking forward to the day where we're talking about twelve of these what, in a couple of years?
4: You know, I wasn't until a couple of weeks ago. I kept thinking, man, all we're going to get is blowouts. But now when you start reading some of the, okay, well, here's what the 12 would look like, mm-hmm. and you start thinking about the fact that you could end up getting, like, a Michigan versus USC playoff game, like, I think there's going to be some sex appeal to that that I really did not credit enough. Like, I sat there watching football Saturday thinking, God, give me more of big brands against each other that matter. And since bowl games don't matter, like, getting the extra playoff games will – I'm actually kind of looking for my, – my situation on this has flipped a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about it. It should be a good time. Fitch, you the best, Thank dude. you Appreciate so much, it. brother. Have hey, a great
4: holiday. I'm going shameless, to shamelessly plug something for you. Yes. This is the, the, the debut of this information. Nobody in the world knows this. While we're talking about college football. Everybody should watch the Big 12 Championship game, well, because in, in Texas, you know they do the Dr Pepper Tuition Challenge halftime thing where the kids have to throw the football yeah. through the thing. Yeah, I'm hosting the Big 12 Championship version of it. So there I'll we go. Right now, there we go. Uh, I'm doing the Dr Pepper Tuition Challenge. I had to tell my boys that like, nobody else knows that just came through this morning, so I had to tell you all that. You Let get that. You, you
1: deserve it all, brother. Let's go. Let's yep. go. We'll
2: be watching. Thanks. Congrats, brother. man.
1: Thanks. Appreciate Happy you guys. Thanksgiving.
2: Yep. He Thank you is. Too, guys. Jason Fitz, Big Twelve, Man, Dr Pepper,
1: put him on everything. Yeah, he is. He's gonna be on Monday Night Football eventually.
2: Yeah, I have no doubt about that. The, he he's ubiquitous. Jason Fitz is ubiquitous. We'll come back, Jason and John, at the turn of fan, ESPN. <laughs> We are at the half, and your Yankees up 1 0. Okay. At the half, thanks to an absolute cracker from Timothy Weyer. What a pass from young phenom Christian Pulisic. It was quite the assist, actually. I was watching it because I have it on. I'm a real, I'm committed to the game. Not like you, halfway in, halfway out. I am all in. Dude, you didn't know who they were playing this morning. Stop lying, bro. I knew. Now you. By the time in. the show started, I'd figured it out. Um, but Christian Pulisic was on a uh, on a breakaway there, and you could just obviously tell this dude's the best. He's a stud. He just we- he just weaved it in between two defenders, one touch. And by then, it had to be. It must be one touch finish, daddy. Easy enough. You know what I'm saying? Put me on the soccer call. I will, I will, I will liven that thing up, bro, because I don't know what the hell I'm watching. You know what I'm saying? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like, it's like Charles Barkley on basketball. He don't know what he's watching either, but we put him up there every day, don't we?
1: Oh, well, we do. But
2: Knee pads.
1: Mm-hmm. You didn't play. Well, so. I did, actually,
2: Two f- five summers ago, I, uh, six summers ago. It's getting longer and longer. And as a kid,
1: um, very excited about the one-zero lead.
2: This was this was again as we get out of here, and Giannotto and Jeffrey will take you through second the second half into full time. But this was a game that for the U.S. to get out of group stage, which is like that's what you want to do. Right? You want to get a group stage. You want to actually get into the. I think it, I don't remember. Is it sixteen? I don't. I don't know what the exact number is. This is where my ignorance on the World Cup is going to show through. Mm-hmm. But you want to get through to that. That's what the U.S. did in 2014. They got through. They got out of group play. And they made a they made a little bit of a run, and uh, it was like the it was the greatest thing that had ever happened to this country, uh, besides Social Security. So, uh, that's what you have to do. You uh, you have to win games like this to advance at it. Because you can beat Iran if you beat Wales. Here we go. We're off and we're off and run. Because we ain't beating England on Friday? I mean, we can sit here and we can pretend, but right. that ain't happening. So you got you got to take your wins where you can get them, and this is definitely one of them. So, Giannato and Jeffrey will keep you apprised of any developments in the second half. Hopefully, the U.S. cruises here, one nil. End it there. In the game. In the game now. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks to Jason Fitz for joining us on the show as always, and thanks to Mike Wall for joining us in the first hour. You could
0: spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details.
3: Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy